just right quick while the guys are finishing, this is our one day of winter this year. So if you're from the north, this is for you today. And uh, this is kind of funny. This morning, I, I hit H-E-B early in the morning on Sunday morning, and uh, it was 30 degrees uh, when I was when I was there. Checked the temps, 30 degrees. So I'm getting out of my car, going in. I'm, I'm bundled up and everything. And there was this guy. Uh, he's got his he's got his bundled coat on. He's got his toboggan on, and he's wearing flip flops. And I thought, man, Texas winter. Right there. That's maybe his only shoes he had, but uh, that, that's the way it is. But uh, good, good brisk morning. Glad you're here, though, and, and uh, this is a good place to be. A couple of weeks ago, we had a series called Hearing the Voice of God. And uh, I, stepping into this year, I just really felt like, um, man, how, how often does it, we make that sound so mysterious when the God of all creation who loves us dearly, loves to commune with us, wants to commune with us, wants to speak to us, but we have turned it into something so mysterious that that uh, we, we just don't even think that's real. Or he can talk to certain people, but not to me and this kind of stuff. And so I thought we need to take some of the mystery out of this because if we're wanting to move together, especially the next 25 years together as a church, then we, we want to make sure we're walking in step with him. Don't you want to do that? Don't you want to... You're given so many years on this planet. You don't want to waste them. You want to make sure you're walking in step with the one that created you. And so we're we're looking at this. And uh, and remember, I challenged you with three things up front. I said, first of all, I want you to get a Bible reading plan for the year. Okay, we've got some on our web page that we could recommend to you. But go to U version in your phones. Go on U version. Find a plan. One thing I ask of you is this. If you find a plan, don't just see what somebody else is saying about something they read. You need to get into the scripture yourself. So, so get a Bible reading plan. Number two is to get a pen and paper because as the Lord starts to impress things upon you, as you sense things that are truths there, to be able to write them down. And in fact, next week, everyone that comes is going to get a, a little journal just like this. And I will talk more about these next week. There uh some we had specifically made. It says hearing the voice of God on it and have the church logo and this kind of stuff. We figured you wouldn't throw them away quite so much if it had the church logo on them. And uh, so next week you'll get one of these, and I'll talk more about that uh, next week when you, when you get that. So Bible reading plan, pen and paper. And thirdly, get, you, get into a small group. Get into a Bible fellowship. Get in a group, man's group, whatever. Get into a group so that you can talk about what you sense the Lord may be showing you in His Word, showing you as you just walk out life, do life on life with other people. And I guarantee you, what you're going to see start to happen, you're going to start to see, man, I'm seeing God active in my life. And to see Him start working some things out uh, in your life along the way. So that was the challenge for you with that. I want you to find Matthew chapter 13 with me. Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to begin in verse 10. And when you find that, go ahead and stand up. Let's stand for the reading of God's word here. And, um, and then we're going to pray together. Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. And this is what it says. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. 
Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Now hear this part. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are you, your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. I want to pray over us today. You know, there's seven times in the New Testament, Jesus, when he was teaching, said, for him who has ears to hear, which is a strange statement, but he said, for him who has ears to hear. What he is saying is, is that may you have your spiritual uh, uh, perception increase so that you can hear what is truly coming from the Lord. So I want you just to get in a receiving posture, whatever that is for you. And I just want to pray over us. Father, I pray right now that we would have ears to hear. Lord, we're going to hear with our physical ears, but it does not mean it's going to guarantee to make any change in our lives. Lord, I pray right now for ears to hear from you and what you have to say through us, Lord, will we'll nourish us, will change us. And uh, Lord, that's what I pray right now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, we were in John chapter 10 and Jesus said this. He said, my sheep hear my voice. And so those who are followers of Jesus Christ, they actually hear the voice of the shepherd. And, and we talked about why, because I think about this often. Why would God even want to commune with, oh, look at us. I mean, why would the creator God, who is perfect, holy, full of love, want to speak with us? I mean, why would he even want to do that? And I, and I hit you with three reasons. Number one uh, would be so that he could protect and guard us. We are prone, just like sheep, we're prone to wander, prone to get into things that are not healthy for us, not good for us, and he wants to speak to protect us and to guard us. He'll do that through his word. He'll do that through other individuals. He wants to protect and to guard you. It's kind of like a yellow light, a warning light, or what the warning light on your panel may be. It's to warn you, don't go that direction. Don't get into that because this, this could harm you. And so it's, he wants to speak to you to guard and protect you. Number two, he wants to speak to you to nourish and feed you because uh, we're, we're spiritual beings. We're growing. He wants to feed our souls. He wants us to grow into full knowledge of who he is. He wants us to walk that out in fullness so that, you know, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, but I have come to give you life to the fullest, and that's in me. In him, and so he wants us to uh, um, be nourished by him. So to guard and protect, to nourish and feed, and then thirdly was this: the shepherd wants us close to him. He is going to speak to us so that we could be near to him. And sometimes this comes in special uh, special directives to you, which may sound strange, uh, but sometimes he just has a special word. But he always wants us close to him. And, and here's a case. Let's say that uh, the Lord really impresses upon your heart that you need to share with your neighbor or a coworker or a fellow student 
about the gospel, about the love of Jesus Christ, and you're sensing that in your heart. I want you to know something. The reason he is doing that is he is already at work there, and he wants you to join him in that work. Okay? So it's always, he's calling you to where he is, and he's calling you to his purposes, and he's calling you to to be with him in whatever he is doing. So that is why he speaks. So if you want to know, okay, he, he just wants to speak because he loves me so much. Yeah, he does love you, but he wants to guard and protect you. He wants to feed and nourish you, and he wants you to be involved and in, with him in the work that he has, the kingdom work on this planet. But before we start talking to how we learn to hear his voice, I think it, it's important today that we talk about hindrances to uh, to hearing from him. And uh, because... Everybody would say, yeah, God speaks, but, but I don't hear him very often. Well, I want you to know he has not moved. And uh, the hindrances are, are usually always on our, on our part. Uh, many years ago, I got to a point where uh, my hearing was starting to get bad and muffled and this kind of stuff. And uh, I'm thinking, that's, that's weird. That's not right. And, you know, Pam's going to be on me. You need to go to the doctor. You need to go to the doctor. So I go to the doctor. And, of course, he looks in my ears and he says, good night, Mark. You've got, uh, you've got wax build up in there and you've got, I'm sorry to gross you out like this, but that, that's, that's got build up in your ears and it's on your eardrum and it's, that's why you're getting this muffled stuff. I said, okay, what do you do? And he goes and he gets this long syringe. And uh, how many of you have been through this? Yeah, most of you. And uh, then he sucks that water in there and gets in that ear canal. And, man, he just squirts it in there. And he's got this little cup thing underneath. It's a cup catch all the goop. And uh, and then he loads it up again, does, uh, does the other ear. And, man, it was like, bang! Everything was just... It was just loud again. I mean, it was, I could hear everything. I thought, man, this is good. You, you ever scratch your head and you can hear your hair? I mean, it was one of those kind of, kind of hearing things that you, all of a sudden you can hear. But what happened was, is my hearing had got dulled because of a hindrance to my hearing. But let me tell you, it didn't begin right before I walked in the doctor's office. It had been a buildup over time, over time, over time to the point of where it was just completely muffled and I couldn't hear well and I needed to do something about that. What's the case in point? I think on a spiritual level, there was a time when God's voice seemed pretty clear and uh, there was a love relationship between you. You gave your heart to Christ, whatever. But over time, it's like there's been a buildup and a buildup and a buildup and it's just like, I know God is there. I'm just not hearing him. Has he left? We start playing those games, and it's not the case. But there's been some kind of hindrance, maybe, that has come in to you hearing him and thus walking in that close relationship with him. So what I want to do is I want to lay out for you what I think are seven hindrances that the Scriptures point out to us hearing from, uh, from him. And so you can write these down. They will just help you as you go along and kind of do an inventory on your life as we look at these uh, as we go along. So, number one. Number one hindrance is you're not a believer. You're not a follower of Jesus Christ. Your heart has never been transformed. You never come to that point of understanding. You may be religious. You may go to church. You may do good deeds. But you have never come to a faith step of realizing that you're separated from God. And what Jesus did on the cross, he did for you. And thus, you, you've embraced that. But if you have not, then there is no knowledge uh, to hear. There's no knowing to, 
to be able to respond to what is going on. And I know most of you in this room, when you came to a faith step with Christ, there was some kind of nudging on your heart, some kind of movement within you that say, hey, you have a need here. Now, that was God. That was him nudging you towards that faith step. But until you made that faith step, there was never any interaction between the two of you. Oh, you may have cried out to God when you had final exams or, or you were going to the doctor or something like that. But, but yet there was no true intimacy, no true, true closeness with God. And thus not being a believer, there, there, there is no way that uh, God can speak into your spirit because it is depraved. It's, it's not been born again is what the scripture says. And so if you're here and you're thinking, oh, okay, that may make sense. I've just, you know, I've never had that encounter with the Lord. Well, how do you do that? Well, he's nudging you to his heart. I promise you right today. And uh, he's waiting for you to take that faith step. So number one is you're not a believer. So you're not hearing from him. Um, Second one, habitual known sin or unconfessed sin in your life. That uh, that sin that you've allowed to cover up, that you're unwilling to confess, uh, that hidden area. Uh, Psalm 66, 18 and 19 says this. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has, has surely listened and has heard my prayer. In other words, there's a blockage. If you're wanting to hold on to a sin area, not confess it. Or how about this one? Oh, I've confessed that a hundred times before. I'm not right to confess that again. Yes, you are. Your fellowship gets distorted. Just like any fellowship you have with another person in relationship, if you let something come between you, then it hinders that fellowship. And so when we have unconfessed sin, when we have that stuff in our life that we're not willing to give over to the Lord and and confess it to Him, then there's a blockage in that communication. We, we, We do not have ears to hear. Um, but but some of you, and, and let me give you a word picture, and then I'll, I'll explain where I'm going with this. For a trapeze artist, I doubt there's any in this room, but imagine that trapeze is swinging. When the person needs to grab that trapeze, he wants to grab it at the height of where it is, and he, and he gets the perfect leverage to swing out again. However, if he does not get it, it will come back, and you know, the next time it will not come back as far. Many of you remember that simplicity of your walk with Jesus Christ when there would be a sin area where you broke fellowship with the Lord and there was that deep conviction, but yet you may have fought it off. Oh, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm enjoying sins pleasurable for this season. I really don't. And the next time conviction is not as great and not as great and not as great, like that trapeze not coming back as far. And that's why the Lord wants to keep short accounts with you. I mean, deal with this. It's blocking our fellowship. And come. And some of you may be here today and you're thinking, Mark, I've let the calluses grow over my heart, man. I need, I need God to do a major work, major surgery on me. Let me tell you, he is a good physician that takes the scalpel and will cut through that callus to the freshness of your heart if you'll let him. Thirdly, you live in, in blatant disobedience. Blatant disobedience. Psalm 81.11 says this, But my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. Blatant disobedience. In other words, God has spoken and you said no. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to walk in that. I say no. Blatant disobedience. Uh, case in point, I, I've, 
it's kind of interesting. I've talked to people before, and they're Christians, and they're not married, but they're living together before marriage, cohabitating, and they wonder why there's a distance in their spiritual walk. Well, it's pretty obvious. You're walking in disobedience in that area. And so if that's the case, then there's going to be a blockage in, in communication that is there. But is that blatant disobedience that is there, which has led to this um, uh, distance. You remember Burger King? Have it your way. That's what they say, you know, have it your way. And, and so what we choose to do is do it our way. And when we do it our way, I think the Lord sometimes says, okay, you want to do it your way? Do it your way. And let's see what happens. And you know as well as I do that the outcome is a struggle. So blatant disobedience, and there may be a need to to deal with that so that you can hear from the Father. Number four, a hindrance to hearing from God is the wrong view of God. You lack trust there. You do realize that a person's number one understanding of God, the first thing in their life is how they see their mom and dad. And uh, if they had, a, and, and, and the curse that's killing our nation right now, fatherlessness. Fathers have, have, um, uh, have jettisoned from their responsibilities in so many areas, or there's been a broke, breakdown of the family. And so what the child sees is that dad uh, is absent. He is my dad. And they get that view of God and they say, well, God is that way. God is absent. God is God just set things in motion and he's out there in outer space sitting in a rocking chair or something or he's doing he's taking care of people on the other side of the globe. He doesn't care about me. And we get these negative views of God that that haunt us. Or how about this one? They were in an abusive uh, home or they were in an abusive relationship and they start seeing God as abuse. Oh, God just wants to squash me. God just wants to do this. I, I just need to get through this life best I can, but I don't want to have anything to do with him. Who would ever want to speak to somebody like that? I mean, if that's the way we see God and we have this, in, in, this wrong view of God, why would we ever want to uh, speak to him? Why would we ever want to hear from him? You know, that song that we sing, Good, Good Father. You know, um, we sing that. And I think, I think we sing it with our voices, but so often I think we don't believe it. We don't really believe that He is good, good Father. But I'm telling you, He's full of mercy. He's full of love. He's full of justice. And even when you're going through the down times, even when you're going through the cancers and the divorce or the financial struggles or kids in rebellion or whatever it may be, I'm telling you, he is still good, good father. And yet our worldview of him has been skewed. And so thus, we don't want to hear from him if, if we don't see him correctly. Fifth, spiritual dullness and laziness. Dullness. Um, We've become so enamored with the flesh in this world that we just slowly, it's just slowly, 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 that slow fade comes in. And there was a time when my walk with Christ was fresh, but man, it's more seasoned. And then we start making excuses. Well, I'm more of a realist now. I was an idealist then. I'm more of a realist. And then we get cynical. And you know how the spiral goes out of control. Some of your some of you are walking in it. You're thinking, man, there was a time when I trusted the Lord closely, but 
man, I've just become dull. And uh, and, I, and I think about it this way, too. Uh, these projection units, we've had various ones through the years. And what, what's interesting about projection units is is uh, they're great because they shine everything on the wall. But uh, you know what happens over time? It doesn't happen quickly as they start to fade out. And we don't know it because we're seeing them, and, and the fade is so slow that we just don't notice it. But eventually what happens is saying, ah, I think we've got a problem there. And then somebody comes and puts a new bulb in or a new unit, and they go, whoa, what happened? And that's the way it is with our hearts. We just... We, that dullness just said, oh, I've read the Bible before, I've read that story before, I've gone through that, blah, 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 blah. And what's happened is, is we just let this dullness, the apathy, creep in. I think the Western church is really, I'm talking about the church in the United States. You hear about the gospel exploding all over the world, but yet in the United States there just seems to be this lethargy that's there and not hearing from God. So that's, a, that's another one. Uh, number six, there's seven, so there's two more. Uh, distractions, just the competing voices. This is, this is probably what most of you would say in this room, that it's just the distractions, Mark. There's what's called the law of attraction is what you, what you put your focus on is where you would go. But what happened is the enemy has got us so distracted that we're going, you know, when we got into Iraq, we were looking for the WMDs, the weapons of mass uh, destruction. Today we're facing WMDs, the weapons of mass distraction, because they are just taking us away. And in Psalm 46.10 is a verse where I'm going to read it, and you're going to say, oh, yeah, I know that, that. It says, he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And Psalm 37.7 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wickedness. Both of them say, wait, wait. And, and the literal translation is this, cease striving. Because we, we are striving all the time. And what kills us is the number of distractions that we face on a daily basis. I mean, you get out of bed. I mean, before you've even done anything, you've checked your email, you've checked the weather report, you've checked the sports course, and you're totally toast. And you haven't even heard from the Lord because you're so distracted with the world already. And that just takes you down. And, and not to mention media. I mean, uh, most people, the way their phones work and my phone works, I mean, you know, the, the time comes, oh, we're just going to have it for emergency purposes. And now it's our total life. We can't exist without it. You see people go to a restaurant and they're sitting across from each other, just the two of them. And they're like this. And they're totally distractive. And so how can a relationship grow with those kind of distractions? And that's, the, that's what's hindering us from hearing from the loving God because I'll get to it sometime, but we are so churned up in these distractions that are there. And it takes time and it takes discipline to get unplugged. And then number seven is this. We just don't want to hear. We just do not want to hear. We have become content in the way we run our life, and we know that we will be responsible for what we hear. We're just not willing to obey. We either don't believe it or we don't care, and we just don't want to. We just don't want to hear from Him. I'm going to live out my life, God, because I'm afraid if You get involved, I'm going to have to go to the other side of the world, or I'm going to have to go talk to somebody about Jesus, 
And so I just don't want to hear from you. I'm content to get a little bit of God so I don't go to hell someday, but I'm not sure I'm going to be in this that intimate. That's the way we are. We're just not willing to obey. Here's, here's a great story. I was reading this again this week. Is uh, You remember in the, in the Gospels in that uh, the disciples are out on the boat in the Sea of Galilee, okay? Middle of the night. They traveled at the weird times. They're in the middle of the night out there, and Jesus has sent them on ahead. And then all of a sudden what happens is here comes Jesus walking on the water, right? They think he's a ghost. I mean, they, they are fearful of what's going on. And then somebody says, oh, no, it's the Lord. And uh, so here, here's Jesus walking on the water, and uh, he's got a teaching lesson for them here. And then Simon Peter, who would always speak and then think, he said, uh, Lord, if it's you, command me to get out of the boat. And the Lord says, come on. And so Peter gets out of the boat, takes a few steps, starts sinking, cries out, Lord, save me. Jesus reaches down, uh, pulls him up, and, and uh, kind of chastises him a little bit. And, and we, we all see the story, and we're thinking, ah, oh, you know, Peter let the distractions take his eyes off Jesus. and He got out of the boat. He took a couple of steps on the water before he went down. That's incredible. But he was willing to get out of the boat. And I wonder if we so often, the Lord wants to just lovingly bring us to his heart, but we're not willing to get out of the boat. Lord, the boat's very secure. The boat, man, look at this. I know I'd experience you out there, but man, it's very comfortable here. And so we miss him. These are seven distractions. These are seven distractions and and. Some of you are going to meet with your small group or meet with a few people or you and your wife and you and your husband are going to sit down or you as a family are going to sit down. Discussion question I want you to go over is this, is which, which hindrance do I face the biggest temptation with? And I'm talking about hindrance from hearing from the Creator. Which is yours? So you talk about that in your, in your group. It'll help you to kind of uh, see, this, see this through. But... Here's where I want to go just for a couple of minutes, and it'll be brief, I promise you. How do we prepare to hear? You know, we always want to know how God speaks, but let me tell you, you've got to prepare. And it's a hard thing to prepare. Number one is this. You need to set your focus. Set your focus. What do you gaze upon? We glance upon certain things. In our culture, we, we, we're gazing upon the world all the time or we're glancing at God on Sunday or we're glancing some other time. And I want to try to shift that to where we put our gaze on God and we glance at the world. We don't bury our head in the sand, but we want our gaze to be on Him. Let me share with you some scripture. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, the writer of Hebrews said this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders Throw off everything that hinders, underline that, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's what the writer of Hebrews said. Now, Peter said this in 1 Peter 1.13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. And then the Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, 
and not on earthly things. Set your focus. This is for you to do. I, I know my prayer is sometimes, God, overcome my limitations because I get distracted. But if we can learn to set our focus, gird, gird our minds to fix up our minds, to focus on the Lord, put, allow our gaze to be there, not, not, to, not to not see the world, but we can glance at what's going on in the world. But let me tell you, the world and its distractions, if we can learn to set our focus. God, I want to focus on you. First thing out of the bat, when you wake up, the alarm goes off or whatever. Lord, I commit this day to you. Best way I am. We're going to step into this. But Lord, I want to give it to you. I want to set my eyes. I want to set my focus. Because you are my creator. You are my Lord. You're the one I'm going to answer to. I want to please you today, Lord. I want to go after you. I want to set my focus in that direction. And that's the direction I want to go and as I set my focus. Now, um, it's hard because this world is so distracted. Right now, in your gym, in January, it's crowded. There's The parking lot's full. Gyms count on you taking a membership in January and dropping out by the end of January. And it happens every year. So there's this uh, little acronym for you that work out called FIT. And, and this is what you need to have your exercise regime fit frequency, intensity, and time. Those are the, those are the things about working out. Frequency, intensity, and time. These are, you, you let that acronym sink into you and your physical well-being and you will, you will eventually get into shape. It's the same way spiritually. Frequency with intensity and taking the time to do it. These are important. If you're going to set your focus, let me tell you something. You get you get good preaching, you get good teaching here at Central. I know you do. I know it's biblical. I know it's right on, doctrinally sound. But if Sunday is the only time you get it, you are not fit. You're not. You're not spiritually fit. You're not going to be able to set your focus if this is your only meal of the week, spiritually. You've got to... That's why I encourage you, get a daily plan. So, number one is to set your focus, and then last of all is this, is you've got to get your heart prepared, pure heart. Prepared with a pure heart. Your motives, that, that center of being. Jesus said, uh, blessed are the pure in heart for what? They will see God. They're the ones that will see God. What does it mean to have a pure heart? It means that undefiled heart, that heart that is seeking after him. None of us are perfect. We, we, nobody says we're perfect in this room. We have a perfect God. He inhabits us. He, our, we're made in right standing with Him, thank goodness. But there's two things we can do. The first one, the, the Scripture, is, it's called cleansing, the cleansing of the heart. And what I mean by that is to deal with those sin areas that are there, that, that forgiveness that comes. In James, in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 8, it says this, we always like verse 7 because that's the one about submitting ourselves to the Lord and resisting the devil and he will flee. But in verse 8, it says, Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and well. And it goes on and on. Change your ways. But here's the deal. It is a, it's a willing to come before the Lord and to get rid of those things, especially those sins that so beset us. Cleanse our hearts. And then the other one is a term, it's a physical term, but it's used as a spiritual term in the Scripture, is we are to circumcise our hearts. 
And it says in Romans 2.9, I know it's like you're doing Bible drill today. Write them down, mark them up, it'll be good. Romans 2.29 says this, A person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's phrase is not for, from other people, but from God. What's that, what's that mean? Okay, hear me right quick. Cleansing is to deal with the, the defilement, the sin areas in your life. Give those to the Lord. Circumcision of the heart is to get rid of those things that may be good things that are just holding you back. It's the hindrances that are there. Purify, deal with the sin areas in your heart as best you can. Ask the Holy Spirit, search me, O God, try me, see if there be any wicked ways in me. Dealing with that particular area. And then the circumcision of the heart is the cutting away of those things that, that would be the hindrances. It, it, many of you know this. What keeps you from the best most time? Good. Good is what keeps you from the best. Because we, we want to flee anything that's evil. But good keeps us from the best. And maybe God is saying, you need to cut away some of that good so that you can receive the best. There, there's a term and, uh, called flotsam and jetsam. You that are not, uh, nautical people know what these terms mean. Or if you watch Little Mermaid, those were the names of the eels that were in uh, Little Mermaid. But uh, flotsam and jetsam are this. If you see um, uh, flotsam, that means that the, the ship has wrecked and this is the debris that's left over from the wreckage that is there. That's what flotsam is. Jetsam, on the other hand, is what the people on that boat decided to jettison overboard to keep from drowning or to keep from the boat from going over. Those things they threw over themselves. Now, spiritually, we need to have some flotsam and jetsam. Jetsam more than flotsam, because flotsam would be that, those things that we have shipwrecked our lives and are not there. Jetsam, though, is those things we jettisoned so that we can continue to go forth in strength. I'm telling you spiritually, some of us today need to jettison some things out of our life, even good things, so that we can have the best from Him. Isn't that hard to hear? I mean, that is hard to hear. Because we want a safety net. We want everything to be done our way. We want to cling to those things because they make us feel so good. And the Lord is saying, yeah, but those things are keeping you from me. The good is keeping you from the best. The cleansing of our heart and the circumcision of our heart. Last thought is this. I think that the enemy has done a great job. I don't want to applaud his job. But he has done a great job, Satan has done a great job of distracting us. And he's keeping us from hearing from the Lord. And I read a story that probably shows that more than anything else, is that there were some burglars who broke into a department store. And they came into this department store and they took nothing. The only thing they did is they exchanged all the price tags, the, the different items within the store. So the next day when people came, they found things that were cheap as all get out with an expensive price tag on it. And then you think, saw things that you think would be extremely expensive with a cheap price tag on it. And there was such confusion in the whole store. I think we're living in spiritual confusion today because the enemy has taken those things that are beautiful from God and has cheapened them. 
And he has taken those things that are extremely cheap and he has made them priceless. And we have bought into it. Those things that our world says are of such value could be the things that are taking you away from an intimate relationship with your Creator. I don't know what that is for you. I can see it in the newspaper every day. I can see it in the news every day. I see the temptation in my own life every day. Can we come to the point as followers of Jesus Christ that God, can we return to the value of who you are? And what did, what did Jesus say? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's your heart today? I wanted you to bow your heads with me if you would. Thank you.